Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the Build Up here on Balls.ie, our weekly podcast in association with Ladbrokes, where we get you hyped for the sporting weekend ahead. It's me, Mick McCarthy, today, sitting in in the presenter's chair for Mark Farley, who's on holidays, and sitting in in my chair, which I hope is nice and comfortable, not not wrecking up my ass groove. Gary Connaughton, how are you getting on? Thanks, Mick. I'm, I hope I also hope I'm not wrecking up your ass groove. <laughs> that wouldn't be a great start to the podcast. But. No, it'd be terrible. Uh, we've gone we've gone down a weirder angle than I expected to right off the top. Uh, <laughs> this is actually uh, we might have noticed that we're coming to you a little bit earlier this week. It's Monday, and that's because Republic of Ireland are playing on Friday on Thursday night. Uh, Stephen Kenny's first match against Bulgaria in the in the Nations League, uh, the prestigious Nations League, of course. Um, so we're Look, we're getting built up to that. We're getting hyped for it. There's no point in coming to you Wednesday. We're actually going to do two shows this week. We're going to have our usual show on Wednesday. We'll have Stephen Ferris looking ahead to the Pro 14 semifinals and lots more. But for today, it's all football, a football special. And Gary is the man to join us for that. And we're going to speak the return to the build-up of Kevin Doyle after his epic off-season. It's been so long. He hasn't been with us in all of, what, I think, three weeks at this stage. So we're going to talk to Kevin about uh, Stephen Kenny's first week and about everything in the Ireland squad. But Gary, I don't know. It's been a mad, weird few uh, weeks. We've had uh, no football, obviously, as usual. Just trans- Oh, no, wait, no. We've had loads of football. There was, in fact, even the, the Women's Champions League final was on last night. I watched about an hour of that. We've had the Men's Champions League. We've had uh, Lionel Messi. We've had everything. Talk to Kevin about all that in a minute. But what's been your highlight of the, the fake off-season? I... Don't know how you could even have a highlight. It's just, but you could can't even have time to think about what the highlights in because it's been non-stop. It feels like it all. Even though we went without football from March to what June or the end of May anyway, when we came back in the Bundesliga, it, that doesn't feel like it, it lasted that long. Where it just feels like the season's been going non-stop since like last August. So I don't know what's the highlight been. Probably the Community Shield. That was a great game of football in an empty <laughs> Wembley Stadium. <laughs> that was the game we definitely needed in 2020. But. Uh, yeah, I'm used to the empty stadiums now, I have to say that. Yeah, to be fair, you don't even notice it anymore. It's going to be weird now when hopefully fans do eventually come back and you're yeah. looking at the games. <laughs> I don't but, know. Uh, Crowd noise for me, it's just like, this is like, I, I've reached, I've figured out finally what I want. It took me, how long since this football's come back? May, what, May was the it? End of May. The yeah. End of May, right? So it's taken me however long it is to figure out exactly what I want to fake crowd noise, right? I don't want what they gave us in the Champions League which is the over-the-top carnival atmosphere, insanity, really distracting, so that whenever they get something even slightly wrong, which is obvious that they're going to do over the course of the match, it takes me completely out of the occasion. Mm. And I also kind of, even though I thought I did for a while, I don't want nothing. I don't want yeah. just the empty stadium, because that makes it just feel like it's not important. So what I want is just an underlying hump. Yeah, that's a low audible hum. That's just yeah. that you said, so there's no uncomfortable silences. Sky do it the best, I think. Mm, um, I, I, think I think they do it the best, and I still would turn it down a bit. But what, like, the Champions League one was a joke. It was, it was <laughs> so distracting. And because of various rights things and channels being pulled from various places, I didn't have options either. So I was stuck with yeah. kind of what I was given, you know. But uh, anyway, that, that's what we should look forward to in the season ahead, I suppose, more than anything, is how do you, how do you watch your football? So anyway, we'll, we'll get into, uh, just later on, we'll be playing Ladbrokes 1-2-3. 
um, where you can win yourself 100 euro if you correctly predict the score in three of this weekend's international games, including Ireland and Finland in that as well. So me and Gary will be picking that and we'll be talking about lots more. But for now, I think it's time to bring back Kevin Doyle to the show. Right, it's been a long and boring off-season uh, without Kevin Doyle on the show. Kevin, since the last time you were on with us, uh, not much has happened, I suppose. Uh, Leon, Arsenal won the FA Cup. Leon knocked Manchester City out of the Champions League. Uh, Bayern won the Champions League. Barcelona were beaten 8-2 and collapsed in shame and mortification, so much so that Leo Messi has decided he's willing to go to war with the club to get out of the place that he's been since he was, I think, 13 years old, maybe 15 years old. And uh, not much more. Matt Doherty has moved to, to Spurs for 15 million. Uh, but, you know, usual, quiet, boring off-season so far. All things I would have predicted if you had me on the last couple of weeks, Mick. Uh, yeah. No, it's been a lot. There's only been two weeks off-season, <laughs> or whatever it seems like. Uh, poor old Matt Doherty. He had about four days off, I reckon, between that Europa League game and and joining up with uh, joining up with Ireland, but uh, yeah, no, it's going seems to be getting you know sort of half back to normal with with everything. The craziness is sort of back, so uh, that's good. Absolutely, absolutely. What do you make of Messi before we talk about Ireland? So it's a mad thing to think that like he's like I think even this morning he's like refusing to go to training because he no longer recognises himself as a Barcelona player. Uh, the La Liga have backed up Barcelona in saying that his contract isn't void. He's not allowed to have this free release because it passed uh, the June deadline yeah. or whatever it is. And it's just, it's crazy to see that things could have fallen. Like you thought maybe he'd leave one day, but to see things kind of fall apart so spectacularly yeah. after the relationship they've had over the years is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, sad, sad. You know, he's the one player, the one club man that, that you know, the thing that's made him different from Ronaldo, um, mm. two fantastic players, but he was Barcelona true, true, unbelievable player. And, Bigger than Barcelona, you feel you felt like this is he doesn't need to do this. You know, he could be he could have played this totally different, I think, anyway. Had the fans on his side and say I'm desperate to stay. Just, you know, he's got to a stage, he's 33, he's playing for the biggest club in the world. Fair enough, he wanted to do something different, totally different, and go and play in America, or go play in, I don't know, you know, sort of take um, a different route. But wanting to go, if it's true, go to Man City in the Premier League, why would you do that? To me, that's just it sours uh, my opinion of him a little bit because, you know, he's always come across as a, a sort of a different type of footballer. He gets fantastically well paid at Barca, so it's not for money. Um, he's the highest paid player in the world or, or close to it anyway. So it's not, you'd imagine it's not financial. Um, it's just a pity, yeah, you know, and then if you're Barcelona, um, they're looking, they're, they're spinning it and it's making them look look fairly all right when they're the ones that basically cocked up with transfers the last years and wasted a load of money on players. That Bayern Munich game, you know, going through um, that one and, and seeing uh, how it come back to haunt them. But, you know, yeah, I'm just disappointed Messi. Um, mm. But not the end of the world. This is grand or whatever, sports, football and players move all the time. But for him, I would think if he looks back in 10 or 15 years time and he does leave, I think he'll, re- he'll regret that because, it's a, you know, he's having a squabble with the owner or the, the chairman or whatever he is in Barcelona who's not going to be there anyway in a couple of years. You know, like I said, Messi is bigger. He's the one person who is probably bigger than Barcelona and he could have controlled that however he liked. Um, so he's yeah. come to this. It's funny you say that actually because when I was watching his kind of sad, dejected face on the field afterwards, I was thinking he's got two years left. Get out of there. This is like, a, you know, and then the longer it goes on and the further away from that match you are, I completely agree with you. It's like, why would you ruin your legacy for you've already won everything there is to maybe uh, have one more bit of glory with a rebuilt team. 
I don't know. It, it is kind of weird and sad to see. I completely agree. But on to things that are less uh, less sad to see for sure is uh, Stephen Kenny taking his first uh, training sessions with the with the Ireland squad over the last uh, few hours. Actually, really, they all came in yesterday, and um, there's been pictures kind of emerging. It's been a long time coming, I think. Uh, we've been waiting 10 months for an Ireland match. But uh, how would these lads kind of feel now? It's kind of, it's even, there's always been early season meetups, but I suppose even more so, it's like the week before the actual season starts. Yeah. It'll be a bit, uh, it'll be a bit odd coming into camp, won't it? Yeah, it will, but they'll be, they'll be looking forward to it. And, you know, I'm delighted to see he has a 23-man squad, mm. you know. Oh, straight away, that makes it more serious, right? I'm in this 23-man squad. I hate it the last... Five or six or seven years, you know, there's 33 people. He's basically naming every Irish player as a, you know, it seemed like nearly anyone who was a professional guy in his squad. It devalued the thrill of being called up to an international squad. I'm delighted he's gone back to 23. You know, if you're not picked, and I wasn't picked lots of times, but get over it. You know, it's, you know, and, and you might get a, a call here on stand or whatever it might be. Just, um, I, I just felt managers were going out of the way just to try to keep everyone happy. Um, mm. And I think that had the opposite effect, you know, you have loads of people meeting up and it just didn't, it took the seriousness for me out of it, the, the thrill of being called up to an international squad, the, the um, I suppose, the difficulty and, and um, the honour of being called up gets diluted by having that many people there. So I'm glad he's come back to that and that instantly to me makes it feel like a more serious meet-up, first squad together, straight into it now. Um, this is who we have and uh, yeah, it's good to see, see him meeting up there, brings back memories. Um, Feeling like coming back after you know holidays and haven't been together for a long time, it's nice to meet up and you get you know straight on the train and pitch getting to work. Um, yeah, it's a good, good, just a little thing, but to me, that's a good, good start. Man. Yeah, it's an interesting point. You'll have been at home basically for since 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 you finished playing, so you'll kind of be more aware, I'd imagine, of Stephen's achievements and, and, and his standing and his personality, even just from seeing him in the media yeah. and stuff like that. Then a lot of the players who will have been either always based in England or there for a long time, who mightn't have always seen him come through. Do you have any worries? I think I think Jason McAteer was saying, I thought it was a little bit a bit simplistic the way he was saying it, talking about Brian Kerr in his day, but do you have any worries that there's a sort of a who's this guy attitude from, from any of the, maybe the more seasoned players, or the more lads have been in England longer? No, I don't think so. They'll have heard plenty of them at this stage. They'll have, if they haven't, they'll have done the research. They'll have seen them with the Irish and ones had good success. I suppose like any manager now, he has to go and do it. You know, there's no point in us all backing him up and saying he's great, great that, and he's done this and done that. He's the manager now. You know, all mm. the talk to get him there and all, you know, the excitement of him getting the job. Uh, and now it's, you know, time to go do it. Jason McIntyre, I saw that with some comments, but, you know, it's just his opinion and his time with Brian Kerr. So he has that side of it. And that's a valid opinion from him. He had that and he didn't enjoy his time with Brian Kerr, but that doesn't mean Stephen Kenny is, is going to be the same, you know. So Stephen, to me, always comes back as very studious, very meticulous, very detailed. You know, I haven't worked under him, but that's just the impression I get. So he'd be very, you know, he's had so long, he's had 10 months, basically, and, and, and known for the last couple of years he's going to get a job. He'd be so prepared for this. The people he has in around him, I think, are really good as well. Um, and a lot of players will have been in this, well, a few of them will have been in the squad with Damien and Keith before as well. So that'll be, that'll help him you know, uh, straight away. And I just think, yeah, you know, he's as, he was as good as anyone to get that job. He had as good as he'd be for, you know, who else was, you know, jumping out to, to, to yeah. get the job. He, he deserved it uh, as much as anyone else. But now, time to, you know, go. he'll have two years or mightn't even be two years. The pressure's on. And that's the one thing I, I think I spoke to you about before. This is the one thing in the job, to me, is different for him for another job. This is the most pressure he'll ever be on from a, 
from a media point of view, from everyone knowing him from, you know, Dundalk and he did really well there. But the whole country wasn't talk, talking about Dundalk. You know, soccer fans were talking about but GA fans in Hurling or rugby fans weren't talking about Dundalk. Whereas now, when the international team plays, every person who has even a slight interest will know who Stephen Kenny is, be talking about it, be discussing him. It'll be front page news on the newspapers if they don't do well. Um, you know, I remember headlines one of the games I played, we came back and, and, you know, the headline, the front page was disgraced Irish football and just a picture of our starting 11. So that's the sort of thing you'll have to deal with. And, and that's the side of the pressure that he won't have had before. But, you know, you have to start, you have to, you know, go through it and do that. And um, what's to say, he won't be fantastic at it. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to him. I like, when I see these teams play, I like the way they play. So, um, and he's had success over the years. So I just hope that translates, but time will tell. Yeah, the way he plays is generally with a kind of a, a, a front three with a kind of attacking wingers. And it was the reason he used for kind of leaving Michael Obafemi out of the squad, um, both kind of in the build-up where he hinted at it and actually when he when he did it. And Michael Obafemi obviously wasn't too happy about it, but the good news is he, he's in with the under-21s and there's no kind of... It doesn't look like there's any major yeah. issues there. But the, the, the question of Obafemi playing in a front two at Southampton and not really... Obviously, he did it once or twice with him at the under-21s, not suiting that kind of wide role. Is that so... Like, can you explain that to us a little bit? What the difference is as a striker, and what like in playing in those roles, and why somebody just might not be suited for it in the way um, that Kenny obviously thinks Obafemi isn't at the moment, anyway. Yeah, well, if you're in a two, you're you're either the sort of nine or the ten of, of that combination, and you're you're working back in a more central area. You're not your responsibility doesn't involve too much defensive work. You will be closing down and you will be closing and be closing down facing the ball, facing from the front. Whereas if you're in a 4 3 3 and you're the wide one of those two, you, you, that whole side of the pitch is nearly your responsibility. Not only are you expected to score goals and be up the pitch and, and, and involved, but you're also, you know, if you're on the left, you're a left winger and you're also a left back. You're tracking their full back and their full backs. Full backs in all modern football now are, are attacking players. Matt Doherty for Ireland is, is as good a winger as attacking player as any full back. So, if you're in that left-hand position, you're marking their right-back as a second player, you're expected to be a defender, know your role as a defensive, be, be aware of your duties, be always looking over your shoulder, be tactically and situationally aware. And some players are just more suited to that and have practiced it more maybe during their career than maybe uh, he doesn't think Michael Obafemi is able to do that role. You know, he, he might have done it at club level. Um, and, you know, some people are just more suited to it. Um, you know, I, I happen to play that role a lot and I didn't mind it. Uh, but you do a lot of defensive work. You get through a lot of miles. You are defending as much as you're attacking. You have to have a massive engine to be able to get up and down and up and down the pitch constantly. And it's a tough job. So he obviously thinks Michael can't do that and he doesn't fancy him through the middle as the, as the lone one who will have to be, you know, pretty adept at holding the ball up and bringing other people into place. So um, I can see why he isn't doing it if... If Michael has a good season, he's scoring lots of goals and gets in the team, it might force Stephen's hand as in, you know, if he becomes that good and you start to have to put him in the team and then you change how you play to, to adopt to someone who's that good. But at the moment, he's, I suppose, not good enough and, and not playing enough games and scoring enough goals where you think, right, I have to get this guy in the team no matter what. Um, I think the moment Stephen's um, formation and style of play, um, you know, is more important than, than trying to fit him in and around that. So, um, But I'm surprised he didn't have him in the squad just as bring him off the bench or make an impact that way. Um, yeah. it's, it's, he's, he's a Premier League player and he scored a few goals last season. We don't have many strikers doing that. So not to have him... You know, he's brought Shawnee Maguire in now and Shawnee can do the wider role. But um, I'm sure 
And Femi will feel a bit hard done that he's playing in the Premier League. He's playing for something who are a decent squad and spent a lot of money and he's still involved there and getting off the bench or, or starting some games scoring goals. So, um, yeah, it's that's you know, he's the manager and he makes those calls and straight away that's the thing that he won't have probably experienced before. That mm, question yeah. that he will be we don't get a result of the first game and maybe don't go score a goal, that'll be one of the first questions to him again. Why didn't you have my global family in? Or if my global family scores a goal or two at the start of the season? You know, there always seems to be with Ireland and Ireland managers a question of why isn't that guy in the squad um, yeah. rather than who you have got in the squad. But that's that's his job to do with. Yeah, he only lasted one one squad announcement before he had, we have a guy who who people yeah. want in, <laughs> which is usual. What about the people that are in there? Like, I'm looking at that squad now and I'm thinking... This is probably the first time with Michael Obafemi may be aside, but we have our best collection of players seemingly in the squad. You know, you have James McCarthy and, and Shane Long are back after a while out. Uh, Harry Archer's back in there as well. Then you have um, Adam Ida. Okay, Troy Parrott's gone home injured. Uh, Jason Malumbi and all this young kind of the best, the cream of the under-21s that Kenny was working with there as well. And it seems to come together. There's a general excitement and optimism that we have anyway. And... Like, you know, we're willing for that all to be kind of to be slapped in the face on Thursday night, you know, when we watch kind of it turns into the same all Ireland. But at the, there is genuine cause to be optimistic. Like, it does seem like it's a long time since we've had a group like this that are all coming through at the same time. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it will be exciting. You have that feeling where it's a new start, a new manager, and a lot of new players and players he knows. It's not like he's dealing with lads he doesn't know. He's had a lot of these players over the last couple of years. So, there's reasons to be excited. Um, and there's still some old heads in there. You know, Jim McCarthy, Shane Long, he said, back. Um, I think, you know, I've seen how Stephen plays. He, his teams play well and they score goals. I think there's, yes, yeah, they said, that can be all trying to win on next week. But I do hope, you know, look at the bigger thing that is, we don't, we, you know, next week, those games, those games might go against us. The Nations League, and we could have a few bad results as he settles in and gets, gets going with the job. But not to just, you know, all of a sudden panic and, you know, put a bit of pressure on us even give him time to settle into the job um, but yeah there is definitely optimism uh, probably the most there's been in a long time I think mm. uh, it's been a long time since we played a game but uh, there is a good atmosphere the FBI has had a change of face as well and uh, I think people are, are cautiously optimistic going into this game um, I said lots of strong David McGoldrick I think is the only one who might be a doubt or not be in it I think he's maybe in for the second game, second game uh, but, yeah. yeah so listen he's going he's, he's starting off in a good position where he's got a you know, there wasn't any cry-offs. There wasn't no one, you know, pulling out in the last minute. Pretty much, Troy Parrott as a little strained boy. He probably wouldn't have started Troy anyway. So, um, yeah, starting off on a, on a good note. Talking about some of the pressure that um, Stephen would be under. One, like you know, squad selection is one thing. Team selection is going to be another. And you know, the first thing he's got is one of the biggest transfers in Irish football history has just happened. The form player of Irish football just so happens to be in the same position as the captain, and. Nobody has gone for Doherty over Coleman yet between Martin O'Neill and Mick McCarthy. I wonder if Stephen Kenny going to be the man. It sounds like he is the way he talks about Doherty. Yeah, he does. He talks about him nicely. Uh, or just again reading a quote from today, he was saying how it's you know Tottenham have gotten very cheaply and done very well in his opinion. So if he's talking like that, you know, um, it's the first big decision he has to make—a massive decision. As Ireland. if he plays four-three-three and he's only playing one right-sided player, and he doesn't think Mac can play up higher, which I don't think he—he—I he, he, don't think it's worked well with the two of them. I think it was Gibraltar where they did it. And it was only one game, but um, if you know, this is probably the biggest decision in Stephen Kenny's—you know—one of the biggest in his career as, as manager, um, and it comes in his first game. You know, do you drop the captain and a—you know—a a really good player, or do you bring in the—you know? I suppose someone who on form has been better over the last year or two. Um, 
it's tough. I think the easier decision is to leave it as it is. Um, and you know Matt is a, is a good guy and he'll just accept it. Um, yeah. You know, and he's Shane's he's your captain and he, you know, he's playing for Everton and he's a really, really good player and a really good guy to have. But, you know, I suppose on form, he put Matt Doherty there. Not just over the last couple of months, probably over the last couple of years. Um, he's, he's the more, Seamus is good going forward, but Matt, he's probably the, the better of the two going forward as well. Seamus has him on, on defensive duties, I think. Um, and it'll be interesting what Jose Mourinho does with Matt Doherty. He might, you know, turn him into a better defender, but take away that creativity and mm. that creativity and that flair we get out of him. So, listen, it's a tough one for, for Stephen. I think um, if he wants an easy life, he'll leave it as it is. If he wants to lay down a marker straight away and, you know, if I'm making decisions here and I'm, a, I'm the new Ireland manager and I want Matt Doherty in his right back, he'll, he'll do that. But um, and then there's a whole other thing of having to pick another captain and that side of things. So, um, yeah, tough one for him. Um, what would you what would you do, Mick? <laughs> what would I do? It's not, uh, there's a reason I'm not uh, the manager. <laughs> even my namesake's not even the manager anymore. Um, yeah. But yeah, look, I mean, I think they've been, I think it's a very, I'm, I think a little bit slower than a lot of people to be thrown away everything that Seamus Coleman has done for Ireland yeah, over the last few years. But at the same time, it does feel, maybe if not the last campaign, it does feel like now it, it, it's part of the kind of the moving on process or whatever. If, if we're not going to go to, if he's not going to try a tree at the back or with wing backs, you know, which is another option, of course, because both of our, you know, Doherty and Stevens both play best as wing backs, I suppose. So, Oh, it's a, it, there's a lot of options open, and I suppose that's something that not every Ireland manager has had in the last few years, is it? Yeah. Unfortunately, it always seems to be centre-halves or, or full-backs, but uh, it would be nice yeah. if we were talking a couple of centre-forwards here that were moving for millions and millions and millions. But listen, um, yeah, good. it's a good good problem to have. But uh, yeah, I think Matt's a few years younger and maybe just on in a little bit better form and um, will be around for a bit longer. And then if Stephen says in the job, Matt will be there for longer, so... You can see why he might make the change as well. So, but listen, whoever you pick, both of them are very, very good, and they will do a good job. So, um, it might be a bit hard, hard on a bit hard done by for for our captain to be to be taken out, and that's the that's the one reason why I think he might might stay where where he is and, and leave Seamus there because you know what, not only changing the fullback but having to make a change in captaincy might uh, be one decision too far. Yeah. Okay. So we've got uh, Bulgaria on Thursday and Finland on 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 Sunday. It's only the Nations League, but it will like you know Ireland need to stay up the rankings to get a second seed for the World Cup qualifiers. Various different ways to where this could be important. But we've seen Bulgaria. Ireland played them in a friendly last year and they were brutal. I saw them in another couple of games. I think they played England. They were terrible. I haven't seen much of Finland, but they're only one place ahead of them in the world rankings. This yeah. should be like it's easy to say. You never can say Ireland will go out and win. A game by three or whatever, but this should, it, it, he couldn't have asked for a better start, really, in terms of the opposition. Yeah, you would, you know, it's a nice start. Yeah, the Bulgaria, if it's the same Bulgaria team and manager that played this the last time, they were all oh, didn't get out or half, they were absolutely atrocious. Um, and you'd imagine Bulgaria to, you know, just thinking back that they'd be a decent enough side and to be pretty evenly matched with Ireland. You know, that, that was, you know, was that a year ago now? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Before so, the Denmark you know, game, wasn't it, yeah? yeah? A lot has changed. They could be sitting there on their podcast back in Bulgaria saying, <laughs> you know what, get to, to play Ireland. They were brutal that night in Dublin, you know, so nice <laughs> start for us. So, you know, you don't know what has changed there, who they've got in their squad. What, you know, unfortunately, I haven't done enough research to know whether Bulgaria still have the same manager um, to back then. But, you know, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be admitting that, but that is... Um, that's the case, you know, you don't know Finland the same. We don't know, we don't know enough about them and what's gone on, you know, in the last 
you know, year. Um, yeah. Their rankings, I don't look too much into it because that's a historic thing, you know, over sure. a couple of years and you don't, you don't know how that's gone on. They, they could be full of optimism just like us and, and thinking they've had a great little start. So, um, but on paper, all we can do is judge on the past year or two on paper. It looks like it's a, it's a fairly decent start for them. All you could hope for would maybe, you know, well, you know, ranking the Europa League it is, or in the Nations League, that is probably as, as you know, weak as opposition as we're going to get. So, um, yeah, it's, Grand, grand for him. Again, he won't. It's not. It's not friendly, but it's not. You know, it's it's a nice little settler in the Nations League. Not the end of the world if he doesn't get. You know, not big pressure on him to get results in these two games. Yeah, I think they have a new manager. They came in October last year, so may, maybe things will be a little bit uh, looking up for Bulgaria. But we won't worry too much about them. I think if Ireland do the job, um, we'd be looking to kind of see. Uh, would you be more interested now in sort of seeing like how the young players are integrating, or does it straight away go into? is this a manager, is this a team who can go out and gr- and not necessarily grind out, I don't mean in a negative way, but go out and win games and we'll worry about how we play later, you know, or who plays well. Uh, I'm more interested in seeing how they set about, how they play out from the back, how they yeah. go about things that way. You know, we, we've had plenty of managers who go out and just, we want to get the result first and we'll worry about the style of play later. And, you know, it's time we've moved on from that and let's see, you know... We all want results, but as I said, it's not the end of the world if we don't in these first couple of games, but just to see um, see how they go about it. They're built up from the back and then they're calm on the ball and calm under pressure. And, and that's the way Stephen has fairly well played it. You know, he's not total football, but pretty pretty good football over the years. And players look to play well and create and pass and score goals. And, you know, it all sounds good, but I just want to see that. I just want to see what way. Little things to me, it's just, you know, when the goalkeeper has the ball, is he, is he always playing out? Is he all looking like, you know, how is he when he's put under pressure? Is he still, you know, encourages, looking at Stephen on the line, is he encouraging them to pass and to play and to build up and be patient? And, um, yeah, that's the side of it I, I'm interested in. And I think, with, again, I'm going to who he has with him, but he's got good coaches around him. And, um, yeah. They'll all be on the same sort of wavelength, I think. And um, yeah, it's you know it'll be, that'll be the side of it. Results. I'm not bothered. I know we're talking about Europe and talking about World Cup and seasons and all. I'm not. I'm not really bothered about these two games. If they're putting good performances, is lose to me. That's that's fine. Um, just that you know you'll know looking at them whether whether the players are buying into it nearly in the first two games and whether they're going with it. And you'll see the look on their faces. Um, sort of having a fair idea whether it's going to work or not. Yeah, I get the impression for a lot of Irish fans who've been watching this team for a long time now, that's that would be as much success as actual success at this stage. So <laughs> look forward to uh, uh, enjoy the games. Um, we'll chat to you next week and discuss how it gets on. And we've just a small matter of a, a Premier League season starting the following weekend as well. So yeah, we'll talk to you next right. week. Yeah, talk to you next week. Make cheers. Great to hear from Kevin there and loads of optimism. And look, I love this, Gary. Kevin Doyle is not about us grinding out a result or getting it. Like he speak, it's nice to hear somebody who's actually involved in football, so that we just know that we're not just these idealists. That the pragmatists and the people who actually know what they want or know what you really need in the game, and not just those who kind of pretend we do, they actually know that in this scenario, what Ireland need is a transformation in style and in style of play and everything like that. We don't just need another manager who's going to grind out results. It's really satisfying to hear an ex-pro who was in the squad not that long ago actually say that. I know unsettling as well, the thought of Ireland <laughs> playing out from the back and 
taking risks in the defence and I don't know, Mick, I don't know if you want to be able for it. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, being able to take a throw, Gary, as you know, my pet peeve. <laughs> Hopefully they're working on that this week. But look, you know, I think that it'll take time as well. I don't think we're suddenly going to have Darren Randolph not kicking the ball along or we're going to have like, you know, Shane Duffy playing tiki-taka with Jason Blumby or, or, or James McCarthy mm. or anything like that. You know, I think it's going to take time, but you just want to see a few signs this week, you know. You've been having a look, though, at... Um, at the Nations League. Now, we kind of slag it a little bit and it's the prestigious Nations League and, you know, we're in a reformed one. We should be in the third tier, but we're kind of in a, a watered-down second tier now, I suppose. We've got Wales, obviously, we've got Bulgaria and Finland this week. But it's not a kind of a, just a means unto its own glory. It's also got serious World Cup implications for us. You've been doing a bit of work on, on and you can yeah. read it on Balls.e, but for those who haven't bothered, Gary, explain to us why this is important. Well, obviously, apart from the obvious things like blood and new players and that, which does offer a chance to do for Stephen Kenny, there's just there's ranking points at play, Mick, and we know how important those ranking points are. because So we've six games in this tournament over the next uh, two and a bit months, uh, along with our playoff against Slovakia and then a potential... World, another a potential playoff in the final of that. So that's wow. maybe eight competitive games in space to just over two months. Now, so that means it's a lot of ranking points on show on draw and offer. Now, those ranking points that matter because the draw for the 2022 World Cup qualifiers is taking place at the end of November. So that's just after the end of the Nations League. So all those games are going to count before that. The seedings for those for for these qualifiers will be based on the FIFA World Rankings of all the teams. So. There's, t- there's going to be 10 groups in the World Cup qualifying. So obviously there's going to be uh, top seeds, there's going to be 10 top seeds, 10 second seeds, 10 third seeds, so on. So at the minute, Ireland are 20th in, out of these teams. So we're hanging on to a second uh, spot, a second ranking, uh, sorry, sorry, a second seeding by the skin of our teeth. So depending on how these games go over the next couple of months, they could have a big impact. We could secure our place as a second seed, or we could, if things go poorly, end up dropping down into the third seed, which means a much tougher draw. Yeah. With the with the top seeds, we're go, we're going to get one really good team. Uh, if we're third seeds, out there, we're going to get one really good team and one pretty good team, like what happened when we got Denmark and Switzerland in the last campaign. Yeah. So. But well, that's, that's it. If we stay two at the moment. We can't get Denmark, and I think everybody will be pleased. <laughs> but at like. They're, they're top of the, you know, the second tier and we're bottom of it. But, you know, if we do drop down to three, say say we switch places with Northern Ireland who are one behind us, then we'd end up with a you know all, one of the good teams plus one of Denmark, Sweden, Poland, Wales, Ukraine, Austria, Turkey, Serbia, Slovakia, Northern Ireland. And we're about to play Slovakia and we haven't played Northern Ireland in a competitive game in a long time. But the rest of them, I feel like we've had recent history with almost all of them. I think except Turkey, and it hasn't always gone well. So no. I would rather have what's the other options, which is Northern Ireland, Romania, Russia, Iceland, falling apart Iceland really, Norway, Czech Republic, Bosnia who are on the downside, Scotland, Hungary, and Greece who are very much on the downside. They might not, they might not even survive in that group. Um, mm. you know, they could be fourth seeds by the times it comes up. But you know, there is a big difference there straight away when you just say those names, isn't it? Yeah, because as, as you said, our record of getting wins away at like n- n- equal or better nations is abysmal, really. So we need every bit of help we can get, especially. Uh, again, the playoffs as well for this World Cup is slightly changed. 
and that's where the Nations League is going to come into that as well. So there's 13 places for UEFA Nations at the 2022 World Cup. Ten of those are going to the group win- the 10 group winners. Then the 10 group runner-ups are going to go into the playoffs along with, so that makes up 10. So there's 12 playoff places. The other two spots will be filled by, and this is where things get really complicated with the Nations League, but it's the two highest placed UEFA Nations League teams that didn't finish in the top two positions in their World Cup qualifying group. So it's basically the route Ireland got into the Mm. playoffs for Euro 2020. Now, the difference is with Euro 2020, all of the playoff places were decided based on the Nations League, whereas this time there's only two up for grabs. But you could see a not unlikely scenario where if we win our Nations League group, we'd have a very good chance of of being guaranteed a playoff come the end of the World Cup qualifying. Now, we won't know that until the end of them qualifying groups, but if we win our group, we have a chance to get one of those playoffs should the worst happen in the group itself. Yeah, it's not like last time where we can finish last and still get into it. Yeah, exactly. Just by base of our rankings. Like, there's a lot more, there's, what, 16 teams or something in in the Bay alone. So we would have to actually top our group. So, okay, well, that's... um, that's a bit, a, a lot clearer anyway as to why this is actually important. And look, to be honest, it's the start of a new manager's um, uh, reign and I suppose as exciting a group of young players we've seen come through in Ireland in a long time as well. So there's a lot to look forward to. I genuinely can't wait for the matches. I'll get your predictions on it. But first, your, what your take on the Doherty versus Coleman. I kind of know we, we've talked about this a lot over the, over the last couple of years. I've been very much, as I said, the... Kevin there I don't want to be thrown away the great player that Seamus Coleman has genuinely been for Ireland I still think he's performing at a much higher level than people give him credit for however I am starting to think that Doherty is the four man like even like there's kind of no matter even if he is your captain at this stage you almost have to go with him and it's a new campaign new everything I'd say you probably feel the same way possibly slightly stronger than me (laughs) yeah I know I think at this stage, like Matt Doherty is 28 years of age. He's, what, nine caps for Ireland. I think he started three competitive games. Now, most of that is down to Coleman just being brilliant for Ireland and he's the captain. He's performed so well over the last few years. But if, if not now, then when with Matt Doherty? Because yeah. he's been one of the best attacking fullbacks of the Premier League for the last two seasons. He's just got a move to Spurs, a club who are going to be competing for the Champions League places every, week, every season for the foreseeable future, most likely. I think Matt Doherty... And Stephen, he, he's kind of, from what we've seen, Stephen Kenny of the under-21 team, Matt Doherty is kind of tailor-made for the way that he wants to play. He mm. wants his full-back to push out wide on the high up the pitch and get beyond the midfield and the forwards even. So I think it's, this is Matt Doherty's opportunity to shine. He hasn't really been given, he, like as we know, he hasn't been given the opportunity with an Ireland manager yet. He's spoken before about how he didn't really get on with Martin O'Neill and Mick McCarthy didn't really seem to trust him defensively but I think that kind of comes down to what you were talking about earlier about having a positive manager uh, Stephen Kenny's going to be more worried about well I think anyway what we can do when we have the ball as opposed to just stopping people without it so I think that gives Matt Doherty an edge and look Matt Doherty isn't a bad defender either you know he's, he doesn't have to do that much of a Wolves but like Jose Mourinho wouldn't have signed Matt Doherty for Spurs if he didn't think Matt Doherty was very capable of defending so yeah, I think fair enough for me, I think it's an obvious choice, really. Okay, good stuff. And who would you got? You you picked your team actually during the week as well. You had um, who was your front three? Well, I had Parrot in because I thought he would play Parrot, but he's he's gone now. So 
the front three is kind of difficult to predict. I think that Connolly is as close to a lock as you're going to get in the front three at this stage to play on the on left wing. Yeah. yeah, as he did for Stephen Kenny at under-21 level. And even when he plays up front in a two with Brighton, he kind of drifts in and out from the left. So I think that's the obvious one. The right, I, I, it's really hard to predict. But Callum Robinson played there for Mick McCarthy. He didn't do great, but uh, again, there's a couple of articles up on site if you want to read it further into it that wingers under Stephen Kenny are going to form a different role, a very different role. So Callum Robinson couldn't play there. You could have Robbie Brady. You could have James McLean playing on the right because Stephen Kenny likes his wingers to cut in onto their stronger foot. So they're both left-footed wingers so they could play. And then I think he'll play Ida through the middle at this stage with uh, McGoldrick out for the Bulgaria game and Parrot out. Shane Long is an option as well, obviously, but I think he'll want to give Ida a go. He knows him well from the under-21s and he's been playing well for Norwich and the limited opportunities he's got. So I think when it comes down to it, I think it will be Connolly, Ida and Robinson. But I wouldn't be surprised if James McLean or Robbie Brady played on the right either. Yeah, or Shane Long in the middle. <laughs> Shane Long, I, could, I, could, I could see yeah. Shane Long starting in the middle, yeah. Uh, maybe not considering they'll probably be bringing in McGoldrick for the Finland game anyway. So I'd maybe say it's, so, yeah. a, it's his one chance to kind of get maybe uh, Ida. Or is it Ida? Did we, did we agree that it was Ida? Ida, sorry. Yeah, yeah it's hard to yeah, change because we've been calling them Ida for about five years. But um, yeah, no, I called them Ida as well earlier on in the show, <laughs> at least twice. Um, okay, so that is the Ireland match as well, at least one of them. Give us your prediction for Bulgaria, and don't. I'll come back to Finland in a minute. As I, uh, we'll. I think we'll beat Bulgaria two 0 okay. away from home. Away yeah. from home, yeah. Let's remember that it is away from home as well. It's not in front of like fifty thousand people in the Aviva. It's yeah. not the easiest trip I'd imagine to go and play in front of nobody, but. Uh, yeah, okay, 2-0. I'll take that. I, I think Bulgaria are shocking, to be honest, but, but maybe <laughs> they proved. Yeah, we played them last year. Now, it was our second string against their second string, but so we can't read, and they've changed managers since. I so saw their first string against away. England, though, and to say that it was like sad reflection on... they, they It was like England against San Marino. You know, one of those, <laughs> like, that's what it felt like, you know? And maybe England are better than they used to be, and that's that might have something to do with it. Speaking of England, right? And speaking of Bulgaria and speaking of Ireland, they all feature in this week's Labrooks 123. It's your chance to win 100 euro by playing Labrooks 123 by correctly, um, correctly predicting the score lines in three of this weekend's games. It's International Week. Me and Gary are going to play it. Last week, Gary, I had zero out of three, but I want you to, I want to go through my scores. And oh, actually, sorry. I thought I had a draw on Hibs and Aberdeen. I had Hibs to win that. So that ruled that one out. Aberdeen won that game. But I had 3 0 to Rangers against Hamilton. They won 2 0. And here's the one I really want credit for. I had 2-1 to Arsenal over Liverpool. Now, they won on penalties, but they were 1-0 up for the whole game. Yeah. I feel like I had that game called. I feel like all the reasons for it. Now, fair enough, I didn't actually get it right. But anyway, there you go. Moving on to the internationals this week, right? We're going to start on Saturday, 5 o'clock, Iceland versus England. Famous fixture in international football, of course. Will Steve yeah. McLaren be allowed into the ground as a guest of honour? We're not sure yet, I don't think. Maybe quarantine will stop them, but how do you see this one, though? I think Iceland have kind of lost some of the glories they've had since Euro 2016, even though they were in the World Cup. I'm going to go 4-0 England. Oh, Gary, 4-0 England. <laughs> I also have it as well. I think England are going to kind of... They're going to start this Nations League campaign the way they start all qualifying campaigns and run amok for the next few months. Now, whether it'll all come crashing down next summer, that's remains to be seen but England and qualifiers means lots of big wins um, yeah and Iceland aren't what they used to be bit of revenge there as well for anyone who's left over yeah. the team. then Sunday 2 o'clock in our group 
of the Nations League, the mighty Wales versus the not so mighty Bulgaria. I have. Oh, I, I, I'm going for three 0 for the. Did you say three 0 I also have three oh, nil. For God's yeah. sake. I said I take the pressure off there. Okay, this is. Uh, <laughs> Okay, well, let's, we're definitely not going to have the same opinion here. The Aviva Stadium, you'll be there. One of the very few people that will be there, unfortunately, uh, on Sunday, 5 o'clock for Republic of Ireland. Stephen Kenny's first game in the Aviva against Finland, who are, you were telling me earlier, no joke and matter. Or I was going to say, I was going to say, what's the yeah. opposite of no great shakes? Poss- <laughs> possible great shakes. They've just qualified for the first ever major tournament. They qualified for Euro 2020, uh, finished second in their group behind Italy and ahead of Greece and Bosnia. They also have the world's most deadly international striker at the minute in Timu Pukki. Forsell. <laughs> Timu Pukki scored about 12 goals during qualifying as well, so he's in form. Uh, so I, I, I think I'll, I still fancy Ireland, though, Listen, I'm going to say... Either versus Pukki. Yeah. Well, the Norris showed a 2-1 for Ireland, I think. 2-1 for Ireland. Okay. I like that, actually. I'm going to go with... I hate to say this, but I just... I think we'll beat Bulgaria handily enough. I'm going to go with one all in this one. <laughs> I think, you know, you took, you're playing the odds there. I think, I think you're there. always safe going with a one. I look, I, look, I want to be as patriotic as anybody, but ultimately I want to win €100 Euro in cash here. Again, if you do get all three results right, you get €100 Euro cash. If you get two, you get a five euro free bet. If you just get one, you get a one euro free bet. I use my one euro free bet and a, and a great little thing that didn't come off. Again, thanks to Hibbs and Aberdeen. That match screwed me a couple of times uh, this week. So um, that's all the paper. It's absolutely free to play on ladbrooks.com. And of course, if you are having a bet on any of this weekend's football, just please do gamble responsibly and visit dunlouis.net for more information. Gary? We're all back. This time next week, you'll have been in the Aviva Stadium. You'll have written up pieces on actual Ireland matches and all this. It's, it's, it's good to be back. It's a, it's a slice of normality in, in our lives. I can't wait to watch an actual game of football in the flesh. It's going to be, going to be strange, but I'm yes, looking forward to it. First, first international football in a long time so, and a new era. So hopefully it goes well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, you can enjoy the games on Thursday and Sunday. We'll be back with you on Wednesday, though, with our regularly scheduled programming where we will look ahead to the Pro 14 semi-finals uh, this weekend with Stephen Ferris, and we'll have lots more besides. But until then, as Mark would say, mind yourself. <laughs>